Hello and welcome into the Feels Like 45 podcast. I'm Cade Webb and as always I'm joined by Dustin Ragusa. Dustin, how are you on this beautiful Wednesday evening in Oklahoma? doing well just watching the uh the cowgirls in the bottom of the 10th against minnesota and Cade. never mind walk off <laughs> well that's a good thing that's a good thing cowgirls win six five or, or seven it five. looks like a walk off walk seven oh. six over minnesota seven six well you'll take that we talked about that game last week on the pod so that's great news not that's very often so i'm great i'm doing great now kate in 30 seconds we've had positive news break on this podcast that is that is not a uh a, an occurrence that happens often that, that just took this pod in a whole different direction i was it gonna sure actually be did. in a bad mood the whole time so yeah i'm glad well, that happened well me too we actually had a, a guest lined up but i think we're just gonna go ahead and kick him out and uh <laughs> No, I think it's a beautiful segue. Uh, Lee Cothran of Dynasty Defined Podcast has, has given us uh, some of his time this evening to discuss Oklahoma State wrestling. And we'll get to all of our normal um, agenda items that we always do. But with Big 12 wrestling just wrapping up, uh, Nationals coming up here next week. Dustin and I, we've talked about this. We like wrestling a lot. But if you got us up on a pedestal talking about this, it would be... It would almost be a borderline like comedy podcast if you and I were the ones talking about cowboy wrestling, right? Yeah, that's very true. And I want to say that Lee, through our, our group chat that we're in together, has helped me get into wrestling. So I'll give him that credit. I don't know if that's a good thing for the other wrestling fans out there. I'm pretty annoying, <laughs> as you can tell from the videos that I post on Twitter. But thank you to Lee. I've gotten yeah. well, into wrestling a lot this year. Well, let's go ahead and, and say hello. Lee, how are you, man? Great, great. Thanks for having me on, y'all. Uh, you know, glad I could create a fan there with uh, with the both of you. So that's, uh, that's fun. That's, uh, that's what we're doing this for. You know, wrestling is, uh, that's what's got the most banners there in Gallagher-Ibo. So uh, we got to keep that going. And as Oklahoma State fans, we got to care about it, right? So um, that's, that's the thing. That's what we're excited about. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, it's good to have you on, Lee. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your podcast, how you got started, how long you've been doing it? Give us give us the rundown and who you are, and then we'll kind of talk wrestling here in just a second. Yeah, so really a few years back, oh, 2016, uh, maybe even earlier, uh, I reached out to Kyle Porter from Pistols Firing about just – look, there's nobody really covering Oklahoma State wrestling. Uh, we don't get enough of it from the national sources out there. And, uh, you know, what can I do? Can I do something? And he was just like, yeah, take a stab at it. So I started covering OSU wrestling, which led to him hiring Seth Duckworth, which is the best thing that could have happened for OSU wrestling. Seth's an <laughs> awesome guy and a much, much better writer and uh, has way more wrestling knowledge than I do. Uh, so I'm really glad that happened and that he's, he took that and ran with it. And now he's, you know, Mr. Oklahoma wrestling up there, uh, just a man of many hats, but, uh, but then, you know, as 
these years have gone on, I was like, man, I, I stopped doing that. And now I don't have anybody that I can talk to wrestling or I can talk wrestling with on a regular basis. So might as well start doing a podcast. That seems to be the thing, right? So I got, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how we started. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, my wife doesn't care. Uh, might as well start just talking into a microphone and putting it out there. So been doing the dynasty defined podcast for about a, well, for this season, this is the first season uh, that I've been doing it. And um, yeah, I mean, we've got a pretty decent audience. We've got some really exciting things lined up here for the off season. A lot of guests coming on that if you're a casual Oklahoma state wrestling fan, you're, you're going to want to check them out, right? You're, uh, Kenny Mondays and Hardell Moores and uh, Josh Kindigs and all kinds of people who are, uh, you know, Oklahoma State wrestling lore. Uh, so excited to get that going and uh, to see this thing grow. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, and then the other goal is really just to be a positive news source for OSU wrestling. It's been a pretty rough uh, 15 years, you know, from a not winning a national title perspective, but the talent's been there. It's been a really um, one of the better periods in Oklahoma state wrestling, just from a talent and like a all American perspective. And we have multiple national champions and things have been good. It's just, there's one team that's been better, you know? So uh, it kind of is how it goes, but um, really wanted to put a positive spin on a lot of the things that I see with OSU wrestling. And then, as I start to monetize this podcast, just going to dump everything back into the Cowboy Wrestling Club. And uh, that's a big youth uh, wrestling thing that they've got in Stillwater that's produced a ton of great talent. So, uh, so yeah, that's what I'm doing. That's the Dynasty Defined podcast and kind of little overview of who I am. Um, so yeah. Well, thanks for that, Lee. I appreciate it. It's, uh, it's funny how... Uh, a program of such stature uh, as Oklahoma state wrestling, there still is a void of content. I mean, you, you gave Seth the, the credit he deserves there. He's fantastic. He's, he's one of my go-tos along with the dynasty Defined podcast. But if I want to learn something the the options are limited. So yeah, just thank you for what you're doing. And I, I do want to give you some props. The artwork on your podcast is it's not just cool. It's, it's, it's sick. It's sick. I love wow. it. Wow, that's really high praise. Sick and not just cool. So uh, I was gonna say I really dope appreciate too. That. I, I was going through dope. I was. We going can go with ill. Dope. Dope's okay. good. Okay. Uh, you know, I think you guys are familiar with the person who made that. I think he made your theme song, right? Our man, uh, uh, Adam Michaels, uh, Milks, as we call him. So Milks. Uh, I think I called him that on the first episode, and it's just kind of stuck now. So uh, he, yeah, he made that up to Adam. Yeah. So really appreciate his work. He. He's a pro bono, you know, source for us. Eventually we're going to have to do something. For <laughs> yeah. Him. I'm not doing anything for him. Lee though, I did want you to know, and I wanted to say this on the podcast to shout you out and, and myself out for being a, just an all around good person. Right. Of course. I, I think I've liked and subscribed to your podcast on every platform. I've given wow. you reviews. Hmm. So I just wanted you to know that. And I oh, listen as well, but and, I just and, wanted you to know that. And I have a follow-up. Have you done that for us, Lee? Of course. Yeah, no, okay, absolutely. Great. I know he did too. I learned about. It. I think I told y'all about Spotify rankings. So, uh, you did. so, uh, you know, we got that, 
it's important, right? Apparently that's what every other podcast I listen to says. I don't really know if it's true or not, but uh, five stars all around just be, I mean, but I wouldn't just give you five stars. I'm a little bit more critical than that. You know, Yeah, I think yours is four four with some strong words in there. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Well, you know, that's my anonymous account because I've ranked your podcast at least three times. So that makes sense. Okay. Okay. Some of those usernames are a little suspect. So that makes sense. Well, there's my work, there's my work, uh, Apple podcast. And then my, you know, personal <laughs> Apple podcast. It, look, Hey, we, we got to listen to them everywhere. There's, right? there's Cade web sucks 69. There's <laughs> yeah. those, yeah. those accounts. Yeah. Um, well, Hey, do we, do we want to get into wrestling? Lee? There's a lot going on at right some now. point. Yes. I, I guess so. That'd probably be a good idea. So, so Lee, if I'll start it off, we were just, I think Cade and I are just going to fire some questions at you and just kind of take us through what's happened this past weekend and what's about to happen in a couple weeks. So, Oklahoma State finished fourth in the Big 12 tournament. They had three Big 12 champs. No other team had more than one. Lee, explain to me how that happens. Yeah, so it's it's uh, <laughs> the beauty of wrestling, right, is it's, it's an ultimate meritocracy, meritocracy, kind of an individual sport. So, uh, But when you get these team environments and team tournaments kind of fired up, teams that are deep are going to perform well. So Oklahoma state, yeah, they had three champ big 12 champions and then a fourth finalist, um, Luke Serber, my man, Luke Serber. He, uh, he made it to the, uh, I thought he had him big 12 finals. Oh man. Wow. That was, <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't repeat on the podcast what happened, uh, when I was watching that, but it was, uh, it was super fun for me. Um, but, uh, the, the great thing about these tournaments is that what happens for everybody on the team matters. So like, OU, they only had one finalist, no champions, but on the backside of the bracket, after you lost your first round, maybe second round, you dropped down into consolations. They wrestled extremely well in the consolations and they scored a ton of points. So um, when you score those points for your team, you know, it, it really racks up. For Oklahoma State, you had nobody scoring points at 197 pounds. Just be the, the person who filled in there, Gavin Sticka, he did his job. He just wasn't going to be able to replace AJ Ferrari. And then Travis Whitlake, uh, he's se- severely hurt. Uh, it, he basically tore everything in his knee, it sounds like. So he's uh, he shouldn't have even wrestled, but he you got zero points from him. He got zero points from Wyatt Sheets. So, um, you know, that's just kind of how the, how things crumbled for the tournament this year. So even the guys, just to explain it to people that don't know wrestling really well, like myself. So even the guys that aren't going to be competing for that championship, big 12 championship need to perform well in these constellations to get the team overall points. So no one can really go in and kind of, you know, just lollygag around and just say, Hey, I'm just going to lose. Like everybody needs to perform, even if they don't have a shot at the title. Exactly. And when you, when you lose your first match, right. It's like, well, I've still got to go place for my team, right. I still got to go get third, fourth place, fifth place for my team. So I can get some extra points and uh, uh, really, you know, help out my team. And you can tell like John Smith, especially gets real disappointed in guys that give up after they lose. Um, And you can hear it in his voice and post tournament, post 
you know, match interviews and stuff, he's disgusted with guys who don't uh, perform after they've lost um, when they have the ability, if they're injured, you know, that's one thing, but um, if they drop down and then, you know, poop their pants, right? Like it's just not a good, it's not a good look and you got to go out there and compete for your team and, and kind of tough it out. Um, which is kind of the theme of wrestling, <laughs> toughing it out. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Thanks for explaining that. Cause I, I know I was a little confused watching, but you talked about Sticka wrestling for Ferrari. If Ferrari wrestles and wins points wise, is Oklahoma state, would they have been able to overtake Missouri there? For sure. If he takes so, 197. By himself, no. Um, I, I think that the we would have been able to tie Missouri in first place and probably come in second place um, if it's just AJ Ferrari that's healthy and in the tournament uh, because he's going to put up 20-something points, right, um, just to the nature of who he is. And if it's on the line, I have a lot of confidence in that guy to go get bonus points to um, put it over the top for the team and, and win it for the team, right? But um, – he, I think it would have tied Missouri up. I, I think he really needed Sheets or Whitlake to perform a little bit, bit better, um, even with their injuries. And then Carter Young as well. Uh, he dropped his first bout to a guy that he had majored earlier in the season. And then he, you know, avenged that loss later in the tournament, but you still don't want to have that first round loss, right? So um, I, I think, you know, a couple other things needed to break for OSU to win the title this year in the big 12. Um, but Missouri's a really tough team and it's really good to have them back in the big 12 for wrestling, uh, because rising tides, you know, raise all ships. Right. So that's right. Um, it's, it's good to have them back in the league for wrestling. I, you know, sour grapes for them still a little <laughs> bit leaving the big 12 in the first place, but, uh, uh and it's annoying that they won it, uh, in their first year back. And now yeah. they're claiming that they have like 11 straight, conference titles which is true but they were in the mac for 10 years you know so uh whatever but they uh it's good to have them back and it, it making it tough for osu is exactly what osu wanted and needed so um yeah that's good so what was your what was kind of like your most impressive moment of the big 12 tournament let's maybe keep it osu related or i mean sure you can answer otherwise as well what was your kind of top moment yeah. So, I mean, obviously Luke Serber, uh, I, I've been hyping him up all year. Uh, there's a lot of Luke Serber <laughs> hate on the internet. Like it, it's really unwarranted. I think a lot of people, a, a constant problem in wrestling is people checking box scores and just thinking they know what happened in a match. Uh, Luke Serber had like one bad match this year uh, against the guy from UNI, you know, two days after AJ Ferrari's accident so in in luke serber and aj ferrari are workout and training partners so it's a big deal you know that that was kind of a wake-up call for pretty much everybody right we've all done stupid things behind the wheel maybe not you know whatever it doesn't matter but uh yeah i mean luke had a rough night there against the uni guy but he really kind of came back from that and he's had a he's had a really good season he's a very quick wrestler very strong um, kind of freakishly strong, but he's like 30 or 40 pounds lighter than everybody else he wrestles. So, yeah, that's what I've noticed. He looks smaller than everyone else, but he, he's just ferocious out there. Yeah. Yeah. He is smaller. I mean, it just is blatant that he is much smaller. Um, but him picking up three 
revenge wins on his way to the finals, especially that win against uh, Zach Elam, the Missouri heavyweight who pinned him in the duel. Uh, that was a just a huge win for him. And he gutted it out. He went to overtime, I think. So um, just a great win for Luke. I mean, I was uh, jumping up and down in my living room, you know, uh, <laughs> just pumped up for him, man. That, that was, a, that was a great, that was the most exciting performance to me. Um, but also, uh, Trev, Trevor, Master Giovanni, the 125 pounder, he, uh, um, he performed really well. He's visibly injured. Um, and for him to go out and wrestle some really tight matches and find a way to win, kind of dig deep. Uh, the only guy he lost to was the eventual champion, and he still came back in one third place against really, really good wrestlers. Uh, 125 pounds is pretty deep in the Big 12. So, um, that was really nice to see Mastro kind of come, come out with that third place finish. Yeah. Was there anyone or any moment that was kind of disappointing to you in general, but aside from the fact that like, you know, Ferrari's not there and things of that nature. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I kind of wish Iowa state would have won the conference title. So their whole performance was very disappointing, but I think we should probably be used to that. When are they going to win nine games? Right. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, the, the, Carter Young loss in that first round was, was pretty disappointing uh, because he's better than that guy that he wrestled. And if he had won that one with uh, Jacob Butler beating Iowa State's I, Ian Parker in the first round, he would have matched up against Jacob Butler, who he had majored uh, oh, two weeks earlier in the Bedlam. Oh. Right. So like, then you're in like, you, you win those two, you're in the semifinals. Yeah, and, prime spot right there. Right. It would have been John Smith time. seemed pretty, uh, pretty, you know, discouraged by that. And on his radio show, I listened. Yeah. Like he, yeah, he said that the guy, that guy's a tough guy, but obviously Carter should have beat him. Carter should have beat him, and uh, I think Carter knows that. the The fun thing about Carter Young, look, he's a true freshman. Uh, he wasn't supposed to be at Oklahoma State. He was going to Northwestern, and. Uh, um, boy, if my kid told me he didn't want to go to Northwestern and come back to Oklahoma State, I probably would be like, I don't know about that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, just from a schooling perspective, right? But, like, he's at Oklahoma State. From for a wrestling perspective, it's a, it's a great move. But uh, he uh, was a 133-pounder last summer in the um, U.S. Open, so at the senior level. And he beat three – national champions right so like three previous national champions so you know carter young knows how to wrestle and he's extremely smart um like from a wrestling perspective as well he learns a lot from his losses and his mistakes and you can really see that uh, in his wrestling things that he when he makes the mistake he doesn't usually make that same mistake multiple times right in, in future matches. So yeah, um, he learns a lot. I think he's going to be really, really good in the next couple of years. Um, like national champion caliber. Good. Oh, that's uh, awesome to hear. So, yeah. So Kate, if you, I mean, if you have anything else on the big 12 tournament or, or Lee, I, 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 I think. I personally don't, I was curious to kind of talk nationals and then bigger yeah. picture of wrestling going forward. So I'll, I'll kind of kick this one off. I mean, like, Explain to us for the layman of which Dustin and I are, <laughs> yes. how does this whole scoring thing uh, work in the tournament and nationals layout? What, what should we be expecting? Yeah. So there's 33 
seated wrestlers in the national in each weight class in the national tournament. So um, as guys wrestle into placing positions, so the top eight is an all American, they'll get placement points for finishing in those top eight positions. I think first place is 16 points. Second is 12. Third is 10, eight, you know, so on down. Right. Uh, so you get placement points for your um, finish in the tournament. And then you get advancement points as you're working through the tournament. So on the championship side, you'll get one champ, you'll get one uh, advancement point on the consolation uh, bracket, since it is a double elimination tournament uh, on the consolation side, you'll get half a point for advancement. Um, beyond that, there is uh, bonus point opportunities. So in wrestling, there are multiple ways to win, but it's scored as a decision. So a regular decision is winning by uh, one to uh, seven points. Um, that's just a regular decision. You don't get any bonus points for that. A major decision is winning by eight to 15 points or eight to 14 points, I guess. You get one point for a major decision. A technical fall is winning by 15 points. So as soon as you get to 15, a 15 point lead, the match is called off and it's a technical fall. You get one and a half bonus points for that. And then if you pin your opponent, it's two bonus points. So that all goes into account in the tournament. If there are medical forfeits, uh, you'll get two bonus points. It's, it's like a pin. If there's a, uh, which is a, a major uh, bummer, if you got hurt and you can't right. wrestle, then yeah, you know, you're right. giving up bonus points too. But uh, um, that's a uh, medical forfeits, injury defaults. So if they get injured during the match, then uh, same thing. They'll get two bonus points. So um, Interesting. So yeah, that's how so the that, scoring works. That kind of explains one question we had as to why injured players wrestle. Like why, mm. why, why keep going if you're injured, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, and then there's also like a, there's a there's a great debate on medical forfeits right now um, because in the Big Ten championships, which the Big Ten is Saw the this. biggest conference in the sport, like every all fourteen teams have it, and it's a big deal up there. They invest in it. I think it's their third biggest money maker um, as a conference, which is that's wild, wild. But um, they had two medical forfeits in the finals which are on national tv and it's kind of embarrassing you know because the guys who medical forfeited were mostly they they, they had legitimate re reasons for it but like you know wrestling is all about toughness and gritting it out and things like that and to not show up it it, it benefits you because medical forfeits don't count as a loss so it doesn't hurt your seating for the national tournament so um got, coaches kind of game the system in that regard so they can protect seeding because you know you get a higher seed it's a more advantageous route to the semifinals or finals of the NCAA tournament that's really interesting so so Lee I know we kind of talked it doesn't seem like Oklahoma State has a real shot at winning the team title but yeah. what about individual titles? Is Dayton Fix is he going to get the is he going to get it this year? I think so. Uh, but I'm you know uh, like I said earlier, I want to put a positive spin on everything Oklahoma State wrestling. <laughs> but however, the the his one challenger really is going to be Roman Bravo Young from Penn State, 
who was the, which is a quality wrestling name, by the way, Roman Bravo. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he's uh, the returning champion. He beat Dayton last year. And it was really on a pretty a questionable strategy from top where he would pin, he basically pinned Dayton's ankle down. He like would sit on his ankle riding on top. He was essentially stalling. And uh, that's look, Hey, it worked. It's not illegal. So uh, Dayton couldn't get out. And that was kind of that. Right. So I think it, it went to two overtimes and RBY finished a takedown. Um, but I do know a couple things. Dayton has looked better than he's ever looked over the past uh, year, really. After Olympic team trials, he lost in the semifinals there, which that was the first domestic tournament he's ever entered that he didn't make the finals in. Um, but since he came back from that, he won a world silver medal. Uh, he has just really been dominant. I think two guys kind of tested him this year. I think he's been taken down once this year, um, but he's he's been on a new level and his mindset seems right. Uh, hopefully we see that continue in the NCAA tournament. Um, I think he's gotten over his fear of losing is really what it was. I think he clammed up because he was scared of losing. And uh, I think that we'll see him uh, pick up the national championship this year. Um, beyond that, I think we have uh, three, three, maybe four guys that could compete for an All-American spot. Uh, so we got to cheer hard for that, for that in those guys, right? Um, the uh, Trevor Master Giovanni, he, seed, Seeds just came out. He got a really rough path to uh, All-American status. Yeah. But anything can happen on the backside of the bracket. So I, I think he could do well there. And then Caden um, Gefeller, uh, he's that, you know, this is his last year. He's got a baby on the way. Uh, that old adage about, you know, I'd rather fight a guy uh, who lives in a big house than a guy who lives in his car. That's the Caden Gefeller thing there, man. Like, I, I think that he could really uh, shine in this tournament. And then um, Dustin Plot is another that he's a freshman, a sophomore, freshman eligibility wise, right? Uh, but he uh, he got a really favorable draw to the quarterfinals. And hopefully he can go out and make some noise in the tournament. We need Dustin Plotts, the guy that we really need to turn into a national finalist contender um, for us to have a chance moving forward. But uh, I guess segue into that, you know, moving forward, OSU future super bright. Uh, NCAAs are in Tulsa next year. Um, there's a, a really good chance that all 10 of the wrestlers in the starting lineup for Oklahoma state are top 25 blue chip recruits from their respective recruiting classes. Um, you could be looking at two returning national champions with Dayton fix and AJ Ferrari. Uh, you've got, you know, yeah. Does Dustin plot turn into a finalist contender? Uh, uh, does master Giovanni turn into a um, high all American? What, uh, what year is he? Mastro? Yeah is a uh, freshman as well. I mean, freshman okay. eligibility wise. So, and, and that's the other thing, everybody except for Dayton Fix and Travis Whitlake have like three, four years of eligibility left. So, um, so yeah, Missouri, they can have the big 12 title next year. It's national title or bust. 
trust for Oklahoma State next year, really. Like, I, we've got 10 guys that can do it. We've got uh, it in Tulsa, you know, on our home turf, date and fix, like all the stuff, you know. So um, that's really the goal. That's the ultimate goal. Whatever it takes to get number 35 is, um, is really – what has to be done, put the best guys on the map, make it happen. And whatever happens in the big 12, I could, you know, it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> so Lee, is it, are nationals going to be on ESPN plus? Are they on national TV? Is it, do you know? So yeah, nationals, I, I kind of want to talk about like some, one of the things that really got me into the sport um, I, I wrestled a little bit in high school. I was really bad at it. Um, but I was the only kid in my weight class. And, and then in Texas, like if you're bad at wrestling in Texas, it's, you're really bad at wrestling. Um, but Hey, only kid in my weight class got a varsity jacket. And I was a sophomore. So I was cool. I was cool. Right. But, uh, the, uh, when I got to OSU, I knew, you know, it was a big deal. So I was going to duels and I enjoyed it. But then in 2014 nationals were in Oklahoma city and, dad and I went up there and it was just it seriously the best event, best sporting event I've ever been to. Um, I, and I've been to a lot of sporting events, right? I worked for the chiefs. I worked for the stars, all the Oklahoma state stuff. Like there's a ton of, there's been a ton of great sports memories for me, but that uh, Friday night, every year, Friday night at the NCAA wrestling championships, it's everything you want in sports. And so any sports fan, if they have an opportunity to watch it, they've got to, and it is on ESPN. It will be on ESPN. You got to peel yourself away from, uh, you got to peel yourself away from basketball. Uh, cause that's the first, it's the first rounds of the NCAA basketball tournament, but you're going to see way more of the just drama, you know, passion, heartache, jubilation that you really like want in sports because these guys sacrifice a ton their parents sacrifice a ton and on friday night is when they're either wrestling for a spot in the national finals or they're wrestling for an all-american spot and their entire lives have accumulated to this point so you just see it all out there on those eight mats on one night and it is uh, it's just fantastic. It was a fantastic event. And I really just highly encourage y'all to check it out. You know, this one time, if you hate it, then, you know, t- t- tell me about it. That's fine. But I'm sold. Uh, <laughs> hey, you sold me. I'm in. Yeah, no kidding. I'm in you, screw you it sound very fun. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like I've had, I've had people down here who have no idea what college wrestling is. Cause again, Texas and they went to, you know, A&M or Texas tech or, you know, one of those institutions and they, uh, <laughs> for lack of a better word. And they, uh, and I had them, Hey, come over. I'll feed you, you know, uh, watch this with me. And same thing, they get into it, you know, cause I can explain it. It's fun, but like, really they just see, you see how much it means to these guys who are doing it. And, uh, it really is a great event. So next Friday night, yeah, tune in. It's on, it's going to be on ESPN, and I think Friday night's on ESPN, and then Saturday night is the finals, and those are on ESPN as well. The rest are, I think some are on ESPN2, some are on ESPN+, Plus, but uh, it's pretty easy to access and, uh, and to watch, and ESPN puts on a great production. Actually, Daniel Cormier, you know, Oklahoma State yeah. legend uh, who uh, – 
uh, has been a UFC commentator now for a long time. He's calling the national. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Friday night and Saturday. So the national televised event, he's going to be the guy on the mic. So um, big upgrade from uh, who, who hasn't been uh, um, uh, one of the Baldwin brothers, Billy Baldwin, I think. So uh, it's a little bit of an upgrade from that. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's going to be a great time. I, I'm a big, I, like, look, Oklahoma State wrestling's super important. Uh, they've kind of been knocked down the, the totem pole at Oklahoma State for the past several years. They haven't really gotten the resources or the support that they deserve. And uh, um, I really think that uh, um, if the fan interest can pick up a little bit, then they'll uh, get back to where they need to be. And then, of course, you know, chicken and egg, they're going to win. You know, I, I'm fully convinced they're going to win national title next year. So um, I me too. I'm in. See, it and, uh, see those facilities get built and see it just build back up into what it should be, which is the, you know, definition of what a dynasty is. There's no other sports, anything that has more championships in Oklahoma State wrestling, not the Yankees, not the Montreal Canadiens, not the, you know, Green Bay Packers. So, um, I, I think that uh, I think there's a really exciting future for OSU wrestling, and uh, I'm excited. I, I really appreciate y'all having me on to to talk about that, kind of get that message out there uh, a little yeah. bit more. No, thankful for you coming on, Lee. It's been great getting to know you, getting to talk to you. I can tell the passion you have for the sport, and uh, it makes me uh, embarrassed that I don't follow it more. And hey. Uh, I, I'm excited to do so now. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm yeah. going to take you up on the offer to feed me and I'm going to come to your house and, and cool. we'll watch yeah. come on down. I think you could sell uh, your, you know, significant other on a trip to Dallas. Right. So yeah, that'll uh, work. That'll come work. on down and we'll, uh, we'll watch some wrestling, get some food going get the smoker going and we'll watch some wrestling, you know, you're, what could go wrong. You're, <laughs> you're speaking my love language here. Heck well, yeah. Lee, thanks for joining, man. Guys, if you're not already following, subscribing, you got to subscribe to Dynasty Defined uh, on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Any, I mean, it's anywhere you can get your podcasts, right? Uh, yep. Kind of the way to do it nowadays. And also on Twitter, great Twitter account, extremely informative. And uh, yeah, just appreciate you coming on. And uh, don't be a stranger. We'd love to have you more. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, anytime y'all want to talk wrestling, I'm up for it. Because like I said, uh, otherwise I'm talking to a wall until I get some of these guests on. So. <laughs> Thanks, Lee. Really really appreciate it, man. Appreciate you. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Later. All right, Dustin. That was fun, wasn't it? Super knowledgeable. He's he's clearly passionate about it and uh, loved that conversation. Loved it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lee's awesome. uh, uh, He's a fun guy. I know, you know, we talked to him in the group chat, but uh, he knows a ton about wrestling more than I'll ever know. But it's fun to kind of talk to these guys who know a lot about a sport that I don't know a ton about and can get kind of into it. And now with ESPN plus you're able to watch more of the matches. Right. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. hundred percent. Well, I, again, appreciate Lee coming on. Definitely subscribe to dynasty Defined podcast, follow him on Twitter, do whatever you got to do to support him. He's a great guy and uh, does a really good job getting the word out there uh, about cowboy wrestling. And I kind of, that's like kind of what we're trying to do. Just, Make people feel good about cowboy sports. Make them feel like they know what they're talking about. I love that. It's a very uh, similar mission statement. Dustin, before we move on, I do want to go ahead 
and say a quick thank you uh, to our sponsor, Price Buckley with Edward Jones. Price is the fourth generation in his family to graduate from Oklahoma State University and loves working with fellow Oklahoma State alumni. Price uses a personalized approach to build a custom investment strategy tailored to your unique goals and circumstances so that you can turn your ideal future into a reality. You can reach Price at 469-757-0290 or on his website at edwardjones.com forward slash Price hyphen Buckley. And that's spelled B-U-C-K-L-E-Y. Price, thank you for your support of the Feels Like 45 podcast. Dustin, I mean, believe it or not, we have so much more to get to. <laughs> so, so much more. Let's put a quick bow on the Cowboy basketball season with a fantastic win over Texas Tech, who I predicted to win the Big 12 tournament starting this week. Um, I mean, Dustin, you're, you're just your thoughts on that game. I know it was it was five days ago. I've slept since then, but I went back and watched it. It was fantastic. Yeah, that, I, pretty close. I mean, throughout most of the first half, uh, Texas Tech, I think, went on a little run there at the end, and then it ends 27-27. Then Oklahoma State is able to pull it out in the second half on a big shot from Bryce Thompson. You get a big game from Rondell Walker, three, six from three. He led Oklahoma State in scoring. I, I posted a Twitter video just of kind of everything he did in that game with his rebounding, his steals. He had a nice block right after he scored. Just, just an all-around big-time performance from him. Cissé banging on the boards. You didn't get a ton from Anderson and Thompson scoring but no one really scored a lot it was 52 to 51 so fun way to end the season I know Mike Boynton kind of harped on it in his postgame presser about just how much that meant to the guys after such a you know kind of downer season not being able to get into postseason play with the sanctions so awesome to end the season that way and heading into next year on a winning streak that's right and if you would have told me they would go beat Iowa State by 17 in Hilton and then beat Texas Tech uh, at home, I would have thought you were crazy. I thought Texas Tech was maybe outside of Kansas the worst matchup for Oklahoma State in this conference. Texas Tech is interesting because they don't really have one guy that, I, at least for me, doesn't strike fear into me, but they've got five guys that can go get them 20 any given night. Um, and if they get multiple, then it's then it's lights out. And that's what happened to them in Lubbock, but didn't happen this weekend. I mean, a basically an eight minute scoring drought from Texas tech to, to end that game. I know they scored two points, but, um, at, and, at, and it was at, right after a run. They well, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. At one point it was 49 to 39 and tech had stretched that lead. And that was with, you know, nine, nine minutes left in the game. And I thought, Oh, this is over. That was the big run. And they scored two total points after that Oklahoma state and, and primarily Musa Cisse is a force to be reckoned with on the interior of that defense. And, um, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to break down the game too much. I'm more looking forward to next season um, and seeing what he can do on the offensive end to complement that. Because if he puts any sort of consistent offensive game together, I mean, just, just go consistently get you 12 to 15 points. He's going to be an absolute monster. Um, and I think you kind of saw him scratch the surface a little bit, uh, but he was, he was really my main takeaway for like the last six games of the season. He really, really came on strong and um, could, I think, end up being probably the best Cowboy big man um, 
of maybe the 2000s, 2010s, 2020s. Like, I, I think he's that good. Yeah, and to your point, you know, he finished the season with seven, 7.2 points per game, 6.5 rebounds. If he comes back, the way he's been able to kind of figure out ways to score, whether it be in the pick and roll, off the lob, you kind of see him getting a little bit more confident down low, able to kind of put that little hook shot in. And he's even he's even taken a few shots from the free throw line, from the elbow. So if, if he's able to, like, you know, kind of bump his offensive game up a little bit, he's definitely going to continue improving as a rebounder. I'm thinking an average double-double next year. I, I, I agree. to it. I agree. I, I'm thinking 10 and 10. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what would stop him from doing that. But yeah, Kate, you're right. If, if this guy comes back, it could be, it could be big things for Oklahoma state, even with, you know, I know we're going to get to it. Some of the guys that are leaving and I know there's more expected to leave, but in this game, when, when they're able to play Smith and CSA together, Boynton talked about it after the game, there's too many people for the other team to worry about getting rebounds. Yep. You can't block everybody out. You've got ice, you've got Smith. If Caleb Boone's in there, you got CSA, you've got these big bodies and if you don't put multiple bodies on CSA to block him out, he's going to get the rebound. But how do you do that when they've got all these other guys? And, and you see it. They win the rebounding battle again. We've seen them do that a lot this year. And they win the points in the paint battle again. Yeah. No, I, I, I thought that they played a very sound defensive game. And, you know, I, I think you're spot on with Musa Cisse at, a, at an average double-double next year. I mean, I'm thinking 12-10-3. Every game, 12, 12 points, easy for me to say, 10 rebounds, three blocks. I mean, we saw that pretty much every game down the stretch from five him. in this game. Yeah, right. Five. Yeah, just <laughs> nasty. Um, I wouldn't go in the paint on him. But, Dustin, it's a it's a great segue. You kind of led us right down this path. I mean, the transfer portal is in football right now. It's the puddle. But in college basketball, it's about to be full on transfer portal season. Uh, and it actually started this last week for Oklahoma State with Donovan Williams entering the portal. Real, I mean, less than 48 hours after the season ended. So you got to think a huge that surprise, not shocking. You got to think that that was coming. And I, I even saw today that Mike Boynton didn't even get to talk to him uh, before that happened. So um, disappointing there, but not all that surprising. Um, you know, a, a second year sophomore didn't really see the floor. I, I will be issues. curious. I, I'm going to throw it. I'm going to throw it out there. I think he ends up at Kansas State. Okay. He was he really seems like a Kansas State guy. He does. He seems like a Kansas State guy that infuriates you as an opponent. <laughs> kind of reminds me of a Mark Smith who's there now. Um, but the reason I say that, he was very close to committing to Kansas State out of uh, high school. And it tends to come around like that in the transfer portal. Who you are close with in high school comes around in the portal. I know he's got several, uh, you know, uh, schools that have contacted him Dustin what's your opinion on the um the schools contacted this player tweets I mean yeah. because they get out of control Boynton's fired up about that he's yeah. he's saying in his he had his uh exit interview today and I, th I believe he said it the other day as well kind of harped on it again but talking about teams reaching out to players that are still you know on scholarship at this school still on the team it's pretty wild like, like we talked about Donovan Williams only played nine games, only four starts this season, only 10.4 minutes per game. Not a huge shock there, but, but Kate, it sounds like we're about to see several more guys leave. And just to kind of circling back to what you asked me with, with the ability to just kind of contact people and, 
no way to really police it. I think this is the new, and it kind of has been the new era of college basketball and college. We see it with college football as well, but I, I don't know. Okay. Who, who, if you had to tell me right now, who, who are some guys that you think may leave, not based on any rumors or anything like that, but playing time and just kind of what you think, you know, Boynton taught, hit on his, in his exit interview, need shooters, need a point guard. So he's got to make some room for guys like that. So who are some guys you think maybe we could see moving on? Oh, this is, this is scary. Um, because I think everybody's on the table. Really? I, I, I truly do. I think in this day and age, your roster, I mean, you saw Remy Martin transfer from, from Arizona state last year to go to Kansas that he was their best player hands down. I mean, I'm, and I am saying this, not that I've heard anything. I just want to clarify this, but I'm going to start it. I, I think Avery Anderson could be a candidate um, to transfer, not because of anything other than I think that there could be large names calling a player like that. You, if you're a mid tier, you know, second tier school right now, the transfer portal is both an advantage and a significant disadvantage because it's an advantage. You can build depth in your roster. It's a disadvantage that you could lose your best player at any given turn. Um, and so I, I would think Avery Anderson would be one I'm a little nervous about. And, and him and I think that's a good call out. Cause you know, him and Bryce Thompson, they both need the ball to score and they're not really facilitators. And you hear Boynton keep harping on the, we need a point guard. We need I, that's, shooters. Maybe he doesn't want to, share the ball handling duties with a guy like Bryce who, you know, kind of plays not a similar style, but they both need the ball to create shots for themselves. We saw it in the tech game, only eight assists because when Bryce and Avery are taking their shots, they're creating an ISO situations. I wrote that down when I, re cause I didn't get to watch the game live. I had to re go back and rewatch it. I wrote down a lot of ISO multiple times when <laughs> I was taking notes. Yeah. Well, so I think I think you're spot on as to the why there. Again, haven't heard anything there. Um, and frankly, we wouldn't reveal it if we had. But when it comes to other players, I'm kind of looking at Keelan Boone. I'm looking at Caleb Boone. Rough game at Tech. Really rough game. Um, frankly, disengaged at times. And I would look at a, you know, a Bernard Kuma or somebody down the roster who has not played much. Um, you gotta, you gotta make space. And it sounds like Mike Boynton is willing to take 13 players, even with a looming scholarship ban. I think he's willing to try to figure this out on the back end. I don't know if you saw this Georgia tech after appealing their appeal, got their scholarship reduction reduced down from, I think it was four to one. So I think Oklahoma state might be taking this approach of, you know, we'll, we'll, like give you these scholarships when we have to give them to you and yeah. they don't have to give them up uh, anytime soon. So I bet they take 13. No, I think, I think the Boons is a, is a good call. I know something interesting Mike Boynton pointed out um, in his, I keep calling it exit interview. I'm not hundred percent sure that's <laughs> he quit. The correct terminology. Yeah. But the, the season wrap up uh, meeting with the media, Rondell Walker, he says, you know, I see Rondell as a three and D guy. Yeah, because Rondell seems self as that. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's a guy, which I would hate because Rondell's <sighs> literally, you know, I he's one of my favorites. I, he, uh, that's why I put that video out. Whenever he has a good game, I'm always rewatching and going through that stuff. But I think that know, one would crush me. It, I think Rondell really transferring would. would really hurt. It really would. I think the Boons. I think you know, 
I think Gabe's a good call out, Kuma, another one. But you know, the, you you brought up a good point. They're going after these 2022 guys. I mean, tell me about tell me about your guy, Sky Clark. Yeah. So Sky Clark, this is interesting. He's the transfer portal like poster boy. I mean, decommits from Kentucky is a five-star, you know, Oklahoma State had talked to him way back in the day. And I, I was talking about these tweets. Anytime a player enters the portal, 48 hours, you can guarantee that Jeff Goodman or Jeff Borzello or Seth Greenberg, somebody is putting out a tweet about all the schools that have reached out to a certain player. And Sky Clark decommitting from Kentucky, a five-star, um, no shortage of suitors. However, Oklahoma State's on that list, Dustin, and they need a point guard. Mike Boynton said so. So they about to put the full court press on our on our guy Sky Clark, who actually is I, from Montverde Academy, where Cade Cunningham went. Exactly, and and he is a really really good player. He's very good. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but combo guard. He can shoot. He can shoot from deep. He can make plays off the dribble. He can pass. He can really do it all. But he can, like you said, he can play the point as well. So that would be a big big time get if they were able to land something like that and then you you know we've talked about on here anthony black still haven't heard much from him i know it it sounds like maybe the mcdonald's all-american game is going to be where he tries to make his decision is that is that kind of what you're thinking I, i think you're right i've i've heard some not great things on that front however i'm not ready to uh send up the flare it's touch and go at this point. I remember Cade Cunningham's recruitment was that was this way where you talk to one person and they'd be like, yeah, it sounds really good. And you talk to another and it's not good at all. So I'm skeptical where Anthony black lands uh, lands. I could see the G league being an option at this point. Yeah. I just think there's not a lot of information out there, but back to your point, which, which is reaching out to the G league Ignites, yeah. reaching out to sky Clark as well. <laughs> It's just the new reality. I think you look at the top 20 players in a certain class and they, they might be going pro. That's just kind of how it's going to be. Um, and so the next top 20 is really your top 20, right? If, if they're all going pro, that's your new top 20. Um, I am excited to see what they do. I think they have to hit the portal. I look at a team like Iowa State. And I, I know they were Jekyll and Hyde most of the year. They're going to get in the NCAA tournament. They were ranked as high as number eight this season. I think, you know, not necessarily the best coaching job in the world, but that team was built up almost entirely of transfers. And at times you saw, I mean, you and I were there, Isaiah Brockington going nuclear. Probably shouldn't use that word, but I did. So sorry. Uh, but was was nuts. And then they've got Gabe Kalsher. So I look at that roster as like, maybe the blueprint going forward. And does it take them a year or two to get there? Probably. But I would like to see them start building out of the portal more and take a blue chip five-star, even if it means you take one high school player, build out of the portal. Yeah, no, I agree. I, the portal is there. Other people are using it. Might as well. And like you, like you said, Brockington for Iowa State, he went nuts in that game we were at. Kate, and again, just to kind of wrap up recruiting, unless you had anything else. I know Parker Fredrickson came on his visit. He's about to start AAU. I heard it went really well. But before we move off basketball, what about your guy, Musa Cisse? We we talked about him, but we didn't even talk about his co-All Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. First team all defense. 
Number one, it's a sham that he shared it with two other players. Two other, yeah. What is that? I don't 30% know. Thirty percent of teams before. were represented on this list. That's outrageous. Yeah. Get out you of here with do that. that. Tie, I don't like ties and anything. We're already sharing a conference title. Can we not split up the individual player <laughs> honors? Outrageous. Um, I will say, Jonathan Chamochachua, and who was the other winner? Um, it, it was, was Gabe uh, Gabe Osaboyan. Um, yes, from West Sorry, Virginia, who was then. ejected from that game in Stillwater. Both very, very good defensive players in their own right. Not as good as Cisse. But. Obviously not as good as Musa Cisse. And Musa Cisse is very quickly going to become my favorite Cowboy. I, he, I just, and I think this is the perfect way to wrap this up. The way he runs the floor and the effort that he plays with, he plays with the joy that Yorane played with, but he's a better basketball player. I think. Yeah. It, his blocks, I know Marshall Scott from PFB points this out all the time when I talk to him, but his ridiculous blocks are now not ridiculous anymore because they happen so often. So you see these blocks and you're like, oh, nice block. But if anyone else <laughs> did that, yeah. you'd be like, whoa, that's ESPN top 10 for sure. Yeah, it's a seven foot six wingspan with probably a 35 inch vertical who, I mean, his hands 12 and a half feet in the air. He's amazing. <laughs> He's really amazing, and uh, I hope that he can put something together in the offseason with some sort of, like, low post game. He would get the ball and kind of lose his mind a little bit at times, had a hard time finishing through contact. I think he's going to clean that up, and I think he's going to be fantastic. you got to find somebody with ice leaving that can run the pick and roll with him. But, yes, I, I, I love what he did. It was so much fun to watch. First, first Big 12 defensive player of the year for Oklahoma State since Marcus Dove. I believe I saw wow, that. Wow, I and think then, that's uh, right. And he won it back-to-back. Yes, 2007, 2008. And then you got to give Avery a shout-out for a third team, All-Big 12. I think that was his first All-Big 12 honor. So, Which that feels that feels wrong. He He's probably a better basketball player than first-time honor being third team. But regardless, yeah. um, you hope that that core of the roster, just to kind of wrap it up, Avery, Bryce, Musa, I think if that's your core going forward, and yes, there are some glaring omissions from that list. If that's your core going forward, let the rest of the chips fall where they have to. If players transfer out, you just you got to do everything you can to keep that core intact. And the one thing I'll point out, Musa Cisse and Bryce Thompson, unless they go pro, are pretty safe. They're not going to transfer again. You get one free Cisse transfer. Said he's and that's coming it. Back. He already or, or Cisse said if he comes back to college, he's going to Oklahoma State. Right. Well, because if if, if not, you have to sit out a year. So that that nucleus, two out of three, if they don't go pro or coming back to Oklahoma State, then you look at Avery Anderson and then go get an actual point guard and let Avery play off the ball, move Thompson to the three. But I mean it they're so close. When I feel like they're so the big close. 12, when the Go to the final four. <laughs> yes. I, I liked where you're going. I like where Bring you're going. me on the floor. Let me cut down the net. Put a put a net around the <laughs> loop in my hat. So yes, that's exactly it. Uh, oh yeah, kid. One more thing. We talked about it off air. We didn't even bring it up. Mike Boynton's going to be on the call for the oh, Big Twelve right. tournament. That's on right. Thursday and Friday, I believe, on ESPN. So you know, I said I was going to have trouble watching. Not anymore. I don't think anymore because I'm definitely going to listen to Mike on the call. I can't wait for that. I'm I'm excited to see what that looks like. I wonder if he's in the arena, I mean, you think he just rails on the NCAA the whole time? They have to kick him off. I'm I'm all for it. I hope so. All right, well, wrapping up a, a a fun, disappointing, very emotional basketball season. I I gotta be honest with you. 
as Mike Boynton walked off the floor on Saturday, I, I couldn't help but think like, okay, now we can get started. Now we can yeah. get moving with this program. No, 100%. I think it's the same mindset that he had. Well, it just, it's, it's been an albatross with, with this program. And um, I don't know how much we really considered it with the Cade Cunningham recruitment, the recruitments before that. You can't use that anymore if you're a coach recruiting negatively about these, th- this program. So um, I can't wait. Um, I think Oklahoma State's going to be in the tournament next year. I think they're going to compete for another. You know, they finished in the top half of the Big 12. I mean, that is – I think that's what we said at the beginning of the year would be a success if they finished in the top half of the Big 12, and they did. I just looked back at the rest of the schedule. There was just some disappointing losses. I mean, second half against Florida, overtime loss against Iowa State, overtime loss against Baylor. Um, you've got a six-point loss – Xavier, one point loss to Oakland, one point or couple point loss to Wichita State. I mean, four of those go a different way, and it's a tournament team. Like it's just, it was a weird year, and I'm glad it's over. Um, anyway, Dustin, any final thoughts from you on basketball? I feel like I could go on and on. It was just a weird no. year. Yeah, weird year, but pumped, pumped moving forward. Uh, and we're obviously we're not done with basketball because we're, as you mentioned, recruiting and transfer portal stuff is picking up. I'm assuming we'll have a bunch to talk about next I week would, too. I would think so. the 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 gates of the portal have opened, and yes, they, there's no closing them. Uh, but speaking, Dustin, yeah, speaking yeah. of portal, Cage, should we go straight into a quick update on football? <laughs> we're getting really good at this whole segue thing. I love it. Just just a quick one. We're not going to go through everybody again. Just two things that two updates. So Lance Robinson, you heard us talk about him on here multiple times, uh, middle Tennessee state offensive lineman that Oklahoma state offered. He just committed to Houston. So he's off the table. I, don't sound the alarms. There's a lot of other guys they've offered again. Nobody's coming until the summer. They can't come for spring spring practice starts on March 22nd. They're not able to enroll now. So no big deal there. Um, you, you'd like to have him for depth. I thought he was a solid player from what I saw, but not, not a huge loss. And then Xavier Gadlin, the offensive lineman from Tulsa, he visited Liberty over the weekend. It sounds like Oklahoma State maybe has cooled on him a little bit if he's visiting some of the smaller schools. So we'll kind of see what happens there. But that's your quick football transfer portal update. I love it. I love it. Dustin, before we move back into football, because I know we got NFL Combine, got a couple of things to talk about. I do want to take a break and hear a word from one of our sponsors. All right, guys, listen up. Sponsor on the podcast, Homefield Apparel, is absolutely crushing it. If you haven't checked them out yet, you absolutely need to. I mean, they are leading the charge in premium vintage collegiate apparel right now. Uh, I mean, they are offering vintage college sports T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies with over 100 schools available. And I mean, they're adding new ones all the time. This is the perfect gift. Uh, Homefield Apparel for the sports fan, for the college sports fan. You got to go check them out. And use our promo code FEELS12 to get 15% off your first order. And, of course, all orders over $100 get free shipping as always. Promo code FEELS12, 15% off your first order. And all orders over $100 get free shipping at Homefield Apparel. Visit them at homefieldapparel.com. All right, Dustin, of all the sports happenings going on last week, the NFL Combine took place where Oklahoma State had all of – Three is that is that right? Three players 
Malcolm Rodriguez, Colby Harvell Peel, and help me out here on the third. Malcolm Rodriguez. Yes. The man. So, Look, you want to start with him because I, I do start positive. He crushed it. I, I mean, I thought anyway, he's coming in weighing f- or 5'11", 232 pounds. That's a little bit bigger than I thought he was going to be. I thought he was maybe going to be in the high 220s. So that's good. His 40 time came in. The unofficial times were a little bit slower, but when you get his official time in, 45240, that was fourth out of all the linebackers. I believe there was a little over 30 total linebackers. Vertical jump, 39.5. That was fifth out of all the linebackers. And then broad jump, he finished middle of the pack. But that 40 and that vertical jump, I think, shows that he has the speed to kind of be a versatile asset on an NFL defense. And I, he's just in that tweener spot, I think, in the NFL. He even wasn't – well, he was not in college. I'm not going to say that. But I wonder if these scouts can get – over his size, um, lack of height, and look at what he did on tape, look at his strength, look at his speed. I mean, he's he's a very unique athlete at that position. And I could see scouts having some trepidation, but I could also see someone stepping up and saying, guys, like, use your eyes here. Look at the film. He's a, he's a freak. And he – he's so smart and he's shown he has coverage skills. You know, he was formerly defensive back and then in high school, he played quarterback. So he, he knows the entire game of football. And I think, I think if he shows in the NFL that he is able to cover that he maybe is some kind of, you know, that kind of linebacker safety hybrid star position that you see in college that you see sometimes in the NFL. So I think, I think it was great of him to run the 40. I think Colby Harvell Peel should have run the 40 because there was a lot of big time safeties who posted some slower times. All he did was bench press. Well, he bench pressed a lot. Press. Yes, <laughs> he did really well. I believe he, I think he was 23 third, reps. Yeah, 23 third reps at 225. Safeties and bench press. So that's all he did. But, and he came in at a good weight, six foot 213. But I thought Malcolm really did himself some favors with that 40 time and that vertical jump. And on the, on the flip side, Cade, my guy, I love him. I still think he's, he's going to be able to do some stuff in the NFL, but Jalen Warren had a little bit of a rough go. A little bit. Not little terrible. Bit. He was just literally average in everything he did. He, he was middle of the pack of the running backs in the 40 at 455. Yeah, 455 vertical yeah. jump, 31.5, and then his broad jump at 119. He literally finished 16th, 19th, 18th in all of those. I will say, though, 455 – that seemed faster than I would have expected him to run. I mean, I know how elusive he was. I would have expected him to do really good in like some of the lateral stuff, but four, five, five straight line speed. I mean, I know that's middle of the pack. He doesn't seem middle of the pack fast. He seems, uh, I don't know. That was just surprising to me. Yeah, it, it was. And you know, he's coming in at five, eight on height, which is yeah. pretty short, but a thick, 204 so <laughs> how many we'll c's see, on I, that one <laughs> a lot so i not a, not a ton to break down there kate and i we have a guest lined up um we'll talk more about that in future weeks because it's not we don't have the exact date scheduled but that'll come on and talk, talk some nfl draft with us and then kate and i'll kind of finish that episode with an even bigger draft preview preview so we'll go into all this a little bit more just wanted to shout out since the combine was this weekend those guys and how they performed but i thought you know, Malcolm's 40 time, I thought, was just just great for him. Well, so. I mean, we're we're officially to the offseason now. With no combine, really, those 
former players outside the draft. You've got uh, spring football and recruiting is kind of it until you get to August. Yeah, and and we'll we'll kind of skip recruiting this week since we've had such a jam packed show. But Oklahoma State did have a visit from Samaji Burrell. Uh, who's a four-star linebacker from North Crowley High School. I like to see that. 6'1", 215 pound, plays inside, outside, kind of do it all. It's got a lot of big offers. Arizona State, uh, th- actually, sorry, I said four-star, three-star, but Arizona State, Baylor, Colorado, Florida State, Houston, Ole Miss, Ohio State, Texas, USC, some big names. So the, the contact period's live. Official visits are coming soon. So you're going to start seeing a lot of stuff. They just sent out – a bunch of offers to some 2024 guys, some DBs, a five-star defensive lineman, a 2023 Jeez. running back just got an offer. So, you know, they've got the four commitments in the 2023 class and it's really starting to ramp up now. So we'll make, you know, with, without basketball, football and basketball recruiting are probably going to be our top two segments and we don't have gas. So we'll get into a big time. Just, I, Kate, if you had anything to add there, but I just kind of wanted to run through that. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to see you know, what happens, especially with, I mean, you're talking five stars there. I know, I know they throw offers out to those guys, but they really don't. I mean, there are, there are charts to show that Oklahoma state is much more selective than their counterparts in terms of who they offer. And you throw out on Samaje Burrell, some of those names, Baylor is one I look at, like if Baylor's offering him, I, I, I kind of want a piece of him, especially at, at linebacker. So yeah. Um, Anyway, it's it's always good stuff. And as you said, jam-packed show. Do want to move into baseball and softball real quickly before we move on to listener questions. I mean, Dustin, this was an outrageously bad week for Cowboy baseball with a, a it, sweep against Gonzaga at home. And the thing is, the thing is, Kate, that's a, I mean, that's a great way to put it because it Gonzaga is ranked now. They have beat some good teams. Their only losses are to Oregon State, who is a ranked team and a, a pretty highly ranked team. So Gonzaga is a good team. I think they'll finish the year in the tournament. Solid team. I don't, I don't know if they can get you know, past the regional, but I think they're a really good team. But the problem was, Kate, and you laid it out well, the pitching was great. They just could not get the bats going. They lose to Gonzaga three to four on Friday. One to two at the game I was at on Saturday, which went into extra innings, and then one to two on Monday. And, you know, in game one, you get Stone, then you get Davis, and then you get Martin to come in and finish it. They only allow five hits, but all you really get from the Oklahoma State offense is a McLean home run, which is great to see him because he's, you know, he's been a little bit hit or miss this year, no, no pun intended. In game two, Campbell gives up an early homer and then pitches lights out for a little over seven innings. Ben Soccer comes in and gives up one. But, you know, they only gave up two runs as a team. And then in game three, Osmond pitches great. Davis and Martin come in again and do their thing. All you're getting. So in game two, they only had six hits. All six came from Zach Erhard and Jake Thompson. All six. <laughs> well, Jake Thompson is one of the two that have been, has been very consistent all year long. So with they, Erhard, they're the they're the two guys that are hitting right now. They've clearly got a problem. I mean, it's it's twelve games into the season. This is this is a long season. However, this isn't a new thing, right? Cowboy baseball over the last couple of years has not been a team that you know turns the scoreboard off with their bats. They 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 just haven't been. And you know, I look back at their College World Series run 
back in 2016, you know, it was one nothing against UC Santa Barbara. It was two one against Arizona, one nothing against Arizona. Like they have, this has been a thing and I'm not going to put the cart before the horse, but they, they've got to, to do something different. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know if it's a shuffling of the, of the line, but they're not even really getting guys on base. Yeah. Well, you actually, okay. That's perfect segue <laughs> into the Missouri state game on Tuesday this week. How they made some changes in the lineup. Hey, Mendham, who had been in for Griffin Dorshing at first base, not, not in the lineup. They put Thompson who's normally in left field. They have him at first. They get Bay to get his first ever career start for Oklahoma State. He's in left. And they have Garrett Martin and DH and Cade. What happens? 11 hits. They get five runs. And only, I believe it was, I think it was six strikeouts on the game. After a game on Monday on Gonzaga where they struck out 19 times. That's hard to do. And you get, yes. And you get great pitching again. Dylan Marsh, who's been pretty great so far in the, the weekday games he's pitched. And then you get McLean coming in and you could tell he was working on some frustration from his hitting because he was throwing some gas <laughs> and root you're in bogus all pitched well too. So we knew you brought it up. We knew going into the season that Oklahoma state was going to be good because their pitching was going to carry them, but you've got to get more hits and a combined five runs in three games against the Gonzaga team who has great pitching, but you've got to get more hits than that. So luckily they, they turned it around a little bit against Missouri state. They got BYU this weekend. The games have been moved from Provo to Arlington. They're going to play at Globe Life Thursday, Friday, Saturday. BYU, they should sweep them. BYU, I think they have they have a win over, I believe it's Ohio State. But other than that, they're not having a great season. They weren't a great team last year. So you should get the sweep there and head into Dallas Baptist next Wednesday, who's a solid team. That game will be on ESPN+. And, you know, you got you to keep winning. You got to keep winning. Yeah. You got to get hits. No doubt about it. And then next week, you've got Seton Hall and Kansas coming up. I mean, this is a very gettable stretch of the schedule. I know they've got Dallas Baptist at home. Um, so lots of winnable and, games on the schedule coming up. And you need you need Houston Morrow back. Apparently, so what I've heard is he kind of just woke up one woke up one day and had a little bit of a back issue. And oh, same. that was same, two am weeks I right? Ago. Yeah, yeah, and that was two weeks ago. So you got to get Morrow back in the lineup. I know Gr Griffin Dorshin. We haven't heard. I haven't heard an update there, but I know he's going to be out for a little bit. It sounds like he really messed up that ankle. Should be back this season, from what I've heard. But if Morrow can come back, you got to get some hits. McLean, he went in the slump. He came back, was hitting really well. He's kind of slumping a little bit again. But you're getting you're getting a lot from Erhard. You're getting a lot from Thompson. Garrett Martin's been mashing lately. If you can, if you can get the other guys that you know can hit, you rock Riggio, who's you know true freshman, in a little bit of a slump. But when he gets the bat on the ball, it's flying all over the place. He had an RBI double the other day. So if you can get those bats going, you know the pitching's good. They're going to get back into their rotation after all the games getting moved around. You'll probably see Campbell, uh, Victor Medeiros, and Stone this weekend is who I would think they would go with, and then you probably see Osmond next week against Dallas Baptist. So. You know all those guys can pitch. Just got to get the bats going. Got to get the bats going. Again, some gettable games, some decent teams. Not great, though, but they've already lost to several decent teams and um, just got just to gotta get the bats going. Dustin, I mean, as we were opening the pod, Cowgirl Softball, uh, with a walk-off win tonight, a little different story 
taking place on the other side of campus uh, with Cowgirls softball. D- doing well, right? Yeah, so they went, they did the OSU Tulsa Invitational this weekend, some crazy weather, but a little bit of an odd situation, Kate. Tell me, tell me if this is something you've heard of before, not just in softball, but in baseball. So Stanford decided, and they kept talking about it on the broadcast in the second game, and Kenny Gajewski brought it up on his radio show. Stanford decided not to throw their ace, who is an ace. Not as good as Kelly Maxwell, but she is an ace like that. They didn't throw her against Kelly in the first game on Friday. That's weird. They went with another pitcher. Oklahoma State got three or four, another good pitcher, but three or four runs on her. They take her out, and then they decide to throw girls that have not even pitched at all this season and basically just concede the game. Oklahoma State wins 6-1, to had some solid hitting. They come out and throw their ace against Miranda Elish later on on Friday. They end up taking that game 5-1, to but Elish gave up an early homer and then was lights out until the sixth. And it was just some bloop singles. I, I think they had a big double and they were able to just kind of take it away. Morgan Day came in late, but it was already, they just weren't able to get the bats going. But again, Stanford threw their, their girl, who's awesome. Then you come in against DePaul, you get Morgan Day going 16 strikeouts to win Big 12 Pitcher of the Week. They win that one 4 0. And then just, yeah, when we were on the podcast, they beat Minnesota 7 6 in a game that got postponed in the fifth inning because, and people are going to look back on this game and see the earned runs that Kelly Maxwell gave up along with her 17 strikeouts. But you've got to be, if you didn't watch the game, just so you know, there was a lightning delay, a rain delay, and then another weather delay. I believe it was another lightning delay and they finally called the game, but it's pouring down rain. Kelly's having to go off, stay warm, come back in the ball soaking wet. So the fact that she was still able to pull out the win, they finished today. They okay, they start the game in the fifth inning. Minnesota bases loaded, no outs, because that's where the game got called. Kelly comes in and strikes out the side. Yeah, that that'll work. That'll work. <laughs> and then they're they're in the Minnesota game right now. They're up four to zero. Miranda Ellis is pitching. You know. Outside of that little misstep in the in the Stanford game, Ellis has been on. We talked about it last week. Morgan Day's been lights out. If you've got those three, it's it uh, they're going to win a lot of games, a lot of games, and it shows you how important pitching is in that sport, particularly. I mean, if you've got an ace and you've got two aces, you're going to be really good. You really don't need that many runs. I mean, you look at Oklahoma; they've got ace after ace. But then they've got Jocelyn Allo, who is an absolute Bash. freak. She's just unbelievable. Um, you hope Oklahoma State can find somebody like that. Maybe maybe it's by committee. Um, but, I mean, they're they're starting to figure some things out, it seems like. Yeah. The bats are going now. I mean, you've got, you've got Alexander. You've got Bree Evans, who's back from injury and playing well. Carwile, Ellish, Tuck, Hobson, and Cottrell are all now batting above 300. Pennington hit a homer in the Minnesota game that finished earlier today. So you've got those bats going. Haley Busby's having a little bit of issues. They've been putting uh, they've been putting Petty and Carwell in there for her. She's in the game right now, but you know she can hit. She's a big time home run hitter. So if she starts stepping things up, but they've got the <laughs> they've got also Kate. I noticed in the game that they got the brand new field, which we talked about. You can tell the it looks ball good. A little yeah, crazy on they're it. a little a little uh, <laughs> squirrely. They've had a couple of errors that I don't think they normally make on that, but you know, girls like you know Carly Petty, 
Kenny, uh, there's a new uh, OSU Max thing, all, all access softball. Just the fact that he can play her anywhere she can hit. She's been playing first base, outfield. She, she's awesome. And then Cottrell behind the plate, she's not even standing up to throw people out when they're stealing at second. She's just throwing it from her knees. She is an absolute rocket. So these girls are so fun to watch. If you haven't been watching softball, you need to. They, they're playing a Memphis tournament this weekend. I don't know. Cade, you may know, I, I didn't see that any of the games this weekend are televised. That kind of sucks. But no, I, they got I, Memphis, Central Arkansas, South Dakota, Southeastern Louisiana. So it should be a fun time. They should be able to win all those games. Yeah, I would think so, too. Now, Dustin, as you were sitting here talking, just walking us through that, I think it's I think it's clear now that the Feels Like 45 podcast is the unofficial official podcast of Cowgirl Softball. We love it. Dustin, your it's, breakdowns are fantastic. Yeah, sorry. I, I feel like I'm just going on and on. So apologies for that. But I just oh, I, I love and I know you and I both have always been huge baseball fans, but just, you know, getting into softball since they started putting on ESPN plus a few years ago. And, you know, growing up, LSU was always good. So always paid attention to them. But it's it's been awesome to just watch. And I think this team I think this team is going to be really good now that they're kind of getting the bats going. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Well, Dustin, I can't wait to see what happens this next week. I feel like next week, by the time we talk, there's going to be a lot that's taking place. We're going to have basketball transfer portal. We're going to have baseball. We're going to have softball. Um, we're going to have probably football recruiting. I mean, it's just, there's a lot coming down the pipe right now. And I know it's the off season, but you just got to stick with us because we're going to get through April and I mean, there's going to have been a lot happen. So, uh, you know, we try to keep our ear to the ground, talk to as many people as possible about, about basketball recruiting, football recruiting. So we're trying to bring it to you. But Dustin, I mean, I think we can go ahead and wrap it up with, with some listener questions. I know we had a couple, no voice questions, just to, the, uh, to my chagrin, but that's okay. <laughs> we're going to keep it going anyway. Uh, Dustin, I, I, go ahead if you've got them ready. Yeah. So we got Brian Metcalf first. Shocker there. Says, appreciate you, yes, Brian. Brian, thanks for the question. We we really do appreciate it, Brian. I know we give 100%. you a hard time sometimes because we, you know, we've known you for a long time, just sending in questions and talking to you on Twitter, but we really appreciate it. So at Brian J. Metcalf, he tagged Hideaway Pizza and said, at Hideaway Pizza comes to you for a new specialty pizza. What OSU athlete slash nickname do you name your pizza after and what toppings are on it? Hideaway actually responded and said they'll be taking notes. So Cade. If you Ooh. need a second, I have a couple that I thought of since I saw this earlier, since he sent it earlier today. Okay. I've got a couple I can give to you. Okay, let's if hear you it. Want if you, okay. I can't wait for this. I've got the Mason Cobb. It's a Cobb salad pizza. <laughs> so you've got your chicken, you've got your egg, you've got your bacon, your blue cheese on the pizza. Because okay. you know, Cobb's going to be one of the main dudes on our defense next year. Hideaway doesn't have that on their menu. I mean, I'm sure you can make it because they let you customize, but the Mason Cobb thoughts rate that out of five. Oh, I just feel like I should shut up. I should just <laughs> give you the floor. I mean, that was fantastic. <laughs> okay. I've got two more if you want them. Oh, I want I've them so bad. <laughs> so, so we've bad. got, we've got the greens twins and it's all green olives, green peppers, green onions, Anything spinach, anything green on the pizza, and it's Blaine and Bryson Green's signature pizza. Hey, we get it. You're you're big into nutrition. You're big into fitness. We get it. All right, <laughs> let's let's move on to the meat lovers, huh? And then the, this one, Cade, is not 
not nutritious, but it might be my favorite one. This is the Kelly Max well, and it's everything Hideaway has on a pizza. It's just oh, all their stuff. Boy. So it's the it's the it's the country one. It's like I, I know they have the like a supreme one, but it doesn't have everything that all the other pizzas have. This is literally all the other pizzas combined into one pizza. Maybe Alfredo sauce on there and marinara. Who knows? But this is the Kelly Max. I call it the Max. Oh, I got to come strong here then. I, I can't just <laughs> beat around the bush here. So, I've by said, the way, if you use those and don't at least credit me. Hey, you, you, know, me. you know how you can use those names, Dustin? If you just go ahead and sponsor the podcast. How about exactly. that? Exactly. Hey, um, well, I can't beat around the bush here. I, I can't just let you. I, I've said this before. When it comes to listener questions, I often don't get a chance to look at them. And so I appreciate Dustin <laughs> gathering them and, and revealing them to me live on the pod. But Brian, you always ask something that requires some deep thought. And I'm trying to think of like some sort of Spencer Sanders, Spencer Sand Ooh. with, some, I like, with I like a pepperoni pizza with a light dusting of some garlic salt. With like and some emphasis on the sand. You see where I'm going there? Um, I mean, golly, that's, uh, you know, Mike Gundy, big into rattlesnake hunting. We could go with the snake pit and you could throw some pepperonis, some jalapenos on there, maybe even some Serrano peppers that maybe call it the <laughs> snake bite. I don't know. That's Ooh, where I'm at. I like that. You like I do that? like that. Okay. That was we off may the have dome. To- we may have to get Laney to make us some uh, mock-ups of these pizzas with the hey, with the people in there. We need her I'm to sure make us. I'm sure she'd love if I asked her that. Yeah, that may, just some fake menus with our pizzas and our dishes on them. That'd be great. Also, <laughs> get sued by Hideaway. Yeah, some shirts that say "Unofficially Official Cowgirl Softball Podcast." I think that'd be we great. Do, we do need that. We do need. We, we need to try to have some of the players on if they would want to come on. I know we, awesome. we should float that out there. I, f- I feel like all we're here to do is, is push the word out there. Um, let's we'll work on that. We if, need to if, talk to Morgan day about our 16 strikeout game. against. Yeah. I, I want to hear do. more about that. I want to hear about the squirrely turf too. <laughs> um, okay. So we've got, so we got Ross lawyer, Ross, is the man uh he dms us a lot as well and we talk we talk softball he says do you think so this is just to preface this question if you didn't hear oklahoma state's um women's basketball coach jim hotel the school and him kate correct me if i'm wrong but i think it was a mutual mutual parting of ways ways, yep so he'd been there for a little while now so they, they don't have a coach at this moment so ross asked do you think missouri states and i'm gonna mess this name up ross i'm sorry amaka aguja hamilton is a realistic candidate for OSU's women basketball head coaching opening. So the only article that I've seen on this, Kate, and let me know if you've seen anything different. Pokes Report put something out. I think that there was actually something on 247 as well, but I saw the Pokes Report one, and they list her. So I think it has to be somewhat realistic to answer your question, Ross. I, I looked into her a little bit. It's her third season at Missouri State. She played at Hofstra, so she doesn't have any big school ties. She's not at a Power 5 school right now, only 38 years old. Seems like an up-and-comer. I think Oklahoma State maybe takes a shot on somebody like that. I think it's a great idea. I don't know, Ross, if you were suggesting her as much as just asking, but I think it's a great suggestion. And, uh, again, I don't know a ton about a lot of these candidates, but she seems like a good one. Yeah, and 
And I did a little digging as well, Dustin, after, after you sent me that this afternoon. I agree. I couldn't begin to think of other candidates, but I think by the time we talk next week, assuming there's not a hire, it wouldn't be a bad idea to kind of go down the list. Jim Littell was at Oklahoma State for 11 years. That's, yeah. that's amazing. And obviously yeah. was kind of the, you know, just all he went through with, with Kurt Budke, Miranda Serna, being the guy after all of that seems um, really well loved, lo- well loved, well respected. And I can't imagine what that conversation was like when, you know, I, and I, it's never happened to me. You, you hope it doesn't, but where you look up one day, you've lost something that, and then the other person who pays you feels the same way. Um, yeah. I could imagine that was a pretty emotional conversation and an emotional day so um glad we're talking about it because jim Littell definitely is one of those you know oklahoma state university ambassadors that i don't know you think of that just kind of embody what it is to be a uh, you know a fan a participant an alumni whatever you want to call it so anyway it's, no, it's cool you you said that so well i don't even really have anything to add i appreciate you kind of going going down that and walking us through that and his time here and just how good of a a guy yeah. he seems to be and how much everybody likes him. So just well, that. well loved. You can always tell the character of someone by the way others talk about them. It's never about how they talk about themselves. It's about others talk about them. So hundred um, percent. anyway. Um, so I think we just have one more and then I think we had like one comment after that. And Philip, uh, thank you. Philip, our guy, 1012 Network said, sounds <laughs> like boss, a nice some would say. <laughs> yeah, sounds like a nice sponsorship opportunity to hide away. So yeah, hide away. Just, just reach out, you know? Yeah, we'll take, I, mean, I mean, we'll even take free pizza. We're all so, ears, baby. I, and uh, I, hey, I'm a big hideaway fan. I love yes, hideaway. There's one really close to our house. <laughs> That's so, correct. That, yeah, that is if correct. you didn't know, Kate and I just live in a connected, one connected home. <laughs> we, we live in a duplex <laughs> with, with one of the walls. There's kind of a cubby hole that, that we can call, crawl through and back to just talk whenever bunk, we need We to. have bunk beds. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so one more from uh, uh, at Go, uh, it's Gorig Sanker, I think is his at. It's G-O-W-R-I-G-S-A-N-K-A-R. So sorry about that if I butchered that, but he says, are you, and appreciate the question, are you worried about 2023 QB recruiting? Cade, we talked about it last week that, you know, they had Bo Edmondson who committed to Michigan State. I'm pretty sure they're still going after him, trying to get him to flip. You've got Zane Flores, who they just recently offered, and then you've got Brock Glenn. I think they got a shot at both of those guys. I've watched a little bit on both of them. They're both pretty solid players, I think, that they both have great hair, if that accounts for anything. <laughs> but I'm Been not great with this I'm not, podcast. <laughs> I'm not worried. I'm not worried about it. But if they don't land one of these guys, then about the quarterback position as a whole, yes, I'm worried. But I'm not going to worry yet because I think they can get one of these guys. So you're always you. you I completely agree with you. I am not worried about it yet. Um, I will worry in six months if there's nobody on the list. Yeah, I, I agree. And appreciate the question again. So we've got we've got Lee who tweeting at us right after he gets off the pod. Can't get enough of us. Yeah, no he kidding. said I he said I hopped on the feels like 45 podcast and cowboy softball immediately won. Coincidence. I don't I think not. I, yeah. I yeah, Thanks, I don't Lee. think it's a coincidence. I think <laughs> I think the proof is in the pudding. Okay, if you can't tell, I was very 
I put a lot of time into the hideaway pizza thing. So you hopefully did. people enjoyed that. You did. You were on a meeting today and you were taking notes. It looked like I you were was. taking notes. You were really brainstorming pizza ideas. <laughs> so that was, uh, that's all I got. That's, that's all I can give. Well, that, that was fun. I, it's all I can give too. I mean, this is a long one. This is, this is yes. a two hour right here. So <laughs> appreciate In you. Off season. It, two un, hour off season fun. Unbelievable. We say all the time that we're not going to talk that much. And then we get on here and then we start talking about how Dustin and I live in a duplex with a cubby hole cut out <laughs> in the middle of the connecting wall. I mean, it, you never know where we're going, but Dustin, great talking to you as always. If you don't have anything else, I certainly don't. Nobody else wants to hear me crack a stupid joke. But <laughs> definitely keep it locked with us on Twitter at Feels Like 45 Pod. Follow Dustin at Dust Ragu and follow me at Cade Webb. We're doing our best to bring you Oklahoma State sports content every single day. As, as Lee put it, we're putting a positive spin out there. Uh, but there's no spin to make. It's fun. We love doing it. And so keep it locked with us um, and let us know if there's something you want to hear from us, something you want to see. Uh, we'll do our best to do it. But Dustin, appreciate you as always. Lee, great having you on the show. Thanks for joining and don't be a stranger. But Dustin, I'll sign us off. It's been a great one. I've had a blast, but it's been two hours. So let's get out of here. Have a great weekend. Go Pokes.